What, what I have seen that may be the biggest contribution designers can have beyond design teams and beyond design work is actually uh, that they have the skill sets to step back and do things. So question and do things, which means that if you would do that on, on like a company level, then there wouldn't be just tons of uh, research um, or strategic insights documents or only business plans, but there will also be something tangible with it. And when you're creating something tangible, you're also going to get alignment between people and you're going to be able to start understanding, does this actually work? Welcome to the Mama Design Minds podcast, hosted by me, Russell Morgan. And me, Dennis Overhagen. We are an initiative from the Mama Design Network with a mission to put the Momo design industry on the global map. In this episode, we talk to Anna Borg, partner at ManyOne and former CEO of Top, where we talk about leadership and change, foresighting, and AI and design. We hope you enjoy the episode. Anna, welcome to Mama Design Minds podcast. Thank you. Um, we'll start with the first question we always start with. Please introduce yourself in the way you would like to be introduced. Oh, I would say that currently my main focus is on leadership, organization, design, and change. If I would broaden it out a little bit more, I would say that I'm also an entrepreneur. I've started a few startups, uh, been involved with a few startups, invested a little bit in startups, and I spent some time as a professional board member as well. Then I would probably add that my passion is change, and especially when it comes to leadership and changing myself and evolving others. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Can you tell us a bit more about, about change? Like, give us some examples. What are we thinking about? Mm, I think a lot about, I would say on maybe on a different levels. Um, on more of a foundational level, I think a lot about what does the organization look like? And what is, how does the structure and the system, uh, how is that built up? because that will normally tell how much change are we enabled to make and to what extent. Then I look also on a specific context. So say, for example, a design team. What are the roles of the design team? What are the, um, what are the goals the design team has? And what are we as a design team measured on? And where do we sit in the organization? Because that will also tell us on how much can we do and how much change can we make. And then in the end, I think, or at least for me, in, uh, a lot of the a lot of people that I work with are in some sort of like knowledge uh, knowledge company, which means that the thing that is the big value in the company is the knowledge that people have. 
So then you have to work a lot with the people and where are they going and how are they changing and is there some involvement? Because when everybody grow and evolve and change, then the company will change with it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so change for the sake of changing, I don't believe in. I think you need to have an intention with it. I think someone had a pretty, like a nice, uh, wait, it was a comedian. I don't remember his name. Um, details are not my thing, but he was really good in looking into, okay, what actually, what actually changes, uh, and what makes a difference in the path and the, the industry you're changing or choosing. And then they had looked at the, one of the best tennis players, uh, Stephanie Grit, I think her name was, before uh, the Williams came up. She were amazing tennis player. And when they talked to her, she said, I don't only love tennis, I love the practice of it. Mm. Which means that she doesn't only love the end results, but she loves the way to get there. So in the same way as if you're a designer, you probably love and or should probably hopefully love uh, doing all the design to get to the end result. If you only love the end result, you wouldn't put in all those hours to practice and continuously evolve your and build your uh, design skills. Mm. As a, just a follow up question on, on drive and particularly within large organizations, um, how do you define what should drive the change within organizations? I I would say, hopefully, um, I would say there is a, some sort of vision of, of what you want to accomplish within the company. And there is some sort of strategy embedded on what do we think the future will look like and how are we uh, going to make sure we build the brand or the company that we want to build for that. And making sure that you also then can create value for the stake, all the shareholders and uh, the customers and everybody working within the company. Um, so hopefully it's connected to that. Um, with that said, that's not always the case. And, and I think that is also many times what makes it extremely hard to make a change and make some sort of transformation. Because if it's not connected to something, I would say maybe that makes sense or, or is a strategic bet that that's enough people believe in, then it's gonna be hard to, to get there. Mm. Yep. It's a lot of abstract uh, discussions on yeah, change and drive. It's contextual though. Like yeah. every company is slightly different and if you don't have that vision, either at a organizational level or it could just be project level, you, you're lost within the details and delivering maybe endless MVPs and mm. never getting to the product, right? Yeah. yeah. I think probably all seen that. Yeah. I think that like uh, not seeing the forest for the trees, yeah. I think that is recurring on, on all levels. Um, and I think also almost like on a on a project basis, I think the kind of taking the moment to step back and zoom out and have reflections, especially if you're working with the team, to say hello, are we doing the right thing? Are we on the right way? 
and what do we need to try out or experiment with next to make sure we're getting to that bigger goal or direction or vision, whatever that is, that, that we are trying to achieve. Because otherwise it's, you know, we're naturally going to get like um, busy with doing the to-do list or the plan as, as it is and not questioning, are we doing the right plan? Is it the right plan? Um, and I think that's hard. And it's, mm, I've also seen a few, few like contexts where you have a, a design team and then you would have someone who has, for example, more of a project leading role mixed into that. And I think then some that can be become a struggle easily also because you will have designers who are kind of like, okay, let's take a step back. Are we actually doing the right thing? And why are we doing this in the first place? And then you have someone else who's like, yeah, but I have my my milestone plan here. We need to get this done. Uh, let's move on. We're, we, we shouldn't question now. So that in, in itself comes back to why are we doing the right thing uh, and making sure there is room to ask that as part of a practice, as part of a process, and also making room for that at the early stage. I think there's a, just reflecting on that, there's an interesting switch in mentality there between the question of are we doing the right thing and do we believe in what we're doing? Because if you ask the first question, there will be people, particularly it happens in design teams all the time, we come in too late to the party and we just look at whatever it is and say, uh, this doesn't make sense or where's the research that backs that up? Um, but you can still believe in it and test it and mm. build something. Mm. Um, but I do find, at least in my experience, a lot of designers are stuck there. It's, yeah. is this the right thing? And there's questions and then you look like you're delaying the project or you're, you're the bad guy in the room. But maybe we can get on board in other ways. Mm, yeah, I think, um, over, I mean, I was working, um, at and with top for for 10 years and during all of that time almost we had uh, and we didn't we were not married to a process but we had an approach where we said um we need to make sure we both do and think very simple and almost as simple as it sounds so making sure that we have on a recurring basis stepping out looking at what we're doing and questioning how we like, are we seeing the forest for the trees or not? But then uh, we can't get stuck there because then you're never going to be able to progress either. So you need to make sure you also do the doing, the sketching, setting out the scenarios, talking to users, whatever it is to require for you to be able to create something, because that will also give answers and inform. So I think, and, and maybe coming back to what, what I have seen that maybe the biggest contribution designers can have beyond design teams and beyond design work is actually uh, that they have the skill sets to step back and do things. So question and do things, which means that if you would do that on, on like a company level, then there wouldn't be just tons of uh, research um, or strategic insights documents or only business plans, but there will also be something tangible with it. 
And when you're creating something tangible, you're also going to get alignment between people and you're going to be able to start understanding, does this actually work? Would this business concept make, make sense? If we're creating a new business model, would that actually make sense? And let, let us start testing it. Um, so both of those required and I think uh, any designer out there should continue pushing for that even when other in the organization would say no. Mm. Great. Mm. All right, our next question, and I, I hope we haven't answered it already, but perhaps you can give it a, some kind of spin, is what's one thing about design that is completely obvious to you, but not to everyone else? Mm. The thing is probably what a little bit what I was leaning towards now, which is I think that designers are going to be one of our most important assets moving ahead already have but especially moving ahead because the skill sets that designer have and the capabilities are to take a lot of uh, abstract abstract things and make sense of it and we're living in a world of with super much complexity where it's super hard to navigate and understand what does the future actually look like and then you need the capabilities to to make something that you can start relating to. So I think uh, designers should start integrating and infusing all parts of an organization. I think then we will have much better businesses in general, better companies out there. And, and do you see who who is not on board with this now? I think we have seen a shift in like, Design is being more appreciated, getting more of a position also higher up in the in the executive ladder. Um, but where is it still lacking, do you think? So I think that, um, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think we have seen for the last um, last years that designers have like a C-level and they're present at the board level uh, or at least on a leadership level. But they are still in their role as a designer. I think I would, um, we, what we're going to see in the future is design being infused into the different work and roles that we have. So hopefully most, uh, just in the same way as CEOs has uh, some sort of uh, financial understanding or potential background and skill sets, they should also have some design skill sets. Because that type of skills and, and approach would be able to, or the organization would benefit from that. So I think we're going to see that on other roles that would necessarily not have that type of training with them. Which skills specifically do you think would be most valuable for maybe the CEO, as you gave an example there? Because I, I, I wouldn't expect CEOs to be doing prototypes and Figma. For example, you know, interaction design, but maybe there are some, some other skills or disciplines within design that are more valuable at that level. Mm, I think the, um, it wouldn't be necessarily doing the design in, in mm -hmm. Figma, I hope, but. I'm sure it would happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it would happen and someone is going to experiment with building their own prototypes, etc. I think that's great. Um, however, I think it's more the, um, the approach and uh, the process in terms of how we're setting up things. 
So more the process of experimenting and doing tests and talking to your users or customers or uh, so it's more of those foundational approaches and infusing that in the work instead of um, setting plans that are not connected to what the future looks like, uh, what uh, users need or want, and what's actually feasible to build. And with that, I think also we're going to see uh, more, or I would say less cost, because we all know finding out what actually works and finding it out in the early phase is going to be way cheaper than in the later phase. So um, with that, there will also open up partly for designers to move into new type of roles and new type of capabilities um, and areas, but also being not the, the ones that come in when it's already a set problem or a fixed scope. Yeah. Hmm. Um, thinking about design thinking, and to me it feels like it's a bit on its way out by now, but that was, I mean, the biggest downside of it that was but it was called design thinking because then a lot of non-designers like, well, that's not for me. Mm. Well, that's kind of, you know, trying to evangelize the way of thinking that you're describing. Uh, do you see anything like concrete in its replacement? Um, do you think it's the designer's role to educate and like mentor the executive people around them uh, to be more design-minded? Or is it the designers that have to take their places and, you know, found more companies and take more leadership positions. Hmm. Oh, there was and there were a lot of questions uh, baked into that one. Let's see if we can unpack that a little bit. But uh, or you might need to remind me here of the questions. But I think um, so. Starting out, I think that designers don't necessarily need to go in and become the CEO or uh, the CFO for that sake. But I think that. Um, using the processes and approaches would help. With that said, if it's their responsibility to do the training, I hope that it will be more uh, largely recognized so that um, a CEO or a CFO or someone else would go and do that type of training. Not to necessarily, not to become the experts or doing it on a day-to-day -day basis, but understand just in the same way as one should understand finance or technique. Um, and then, so that was like, what is the designer? So like, how much, how much are you responsible for if you're a designer? I think that in many ways, if we look back a few years ago, if you chose the design uh, profession, you also chose to go into a role that was not widely recognized in many organizations. And you had to kind of educate people around you. And, and that is the way in, in many organizations still, smaller as well as big ones, that people don't know how to use design. Um, so I think signing up for becoming a designer, you unfortunately, you need to work and live in that context that it is. Um, and until more people know about it, then, then yes, as a designer, you probably need to communicate and show what, how do you actually use design? And why is it valuable? And I think if we, maybe the, I would shift over the focus and say, when designers are also taught the business value of design and start using that, then I think we're going to have better leverage internally at organizations. Well, in order to speak the same language. 
in order to speak the same language. Yeah. I mean, the, the I think it's, yeah, in order to speak the same language, I think yeah. that's a good summary of it. And, and then if we come back to the framework, would you agree that design thinking as such is on its way out? And do you see anything to take its place? Um, I would agree that it's on its way out in terms of being trendy or, or being sold or being fully committed to that in an organization. I would see it as that is in many ways just one of the things in a designer's toolbox. Um, I think it was packaged in that way because management consultant saw an opportunity and were able to sell it by packing it, packaging it in a way. Mm. And I think if designers would start to do that type of work instead, then then designers can go in and take those positions instead. So instead of creating a specific toolbox, you can um, start seeing it integrated into the company in a different so no, I don't know if I see something specific like design thinking, um, but I see that we're probably going to start seeing things like um, like foresight work. I think that would be something that is super closely related to a designer can and and uh, could have as a part of their repertoire. But um, that that would be one of those skills that I'm a little bit scared of that they're kind of slipping out of the opportunity and and also a skill in an area where um it can really make a difference mm. can you expand on foresight work wow yeah uh <laughs> so um i would say um, foresight work uh, for me is a lot about um, looking ahead looking into the future and then the future can be decided upon like how long ter how long into the future is your own decision and your own context to decide um but then for example i might look into three five ten years into the future and then i would um probably look at okay what are the trends on the market what are what are experts saying what is going to happen i would probably talk to people internally and see, okay, what do we think is going to happen and what is affecting us and what are the signals we are seeing? And that could be everything from like, what are the the social uh, behavior shifts that we're seeing as well as what are the laws and regulations that are impacting us as well as how is the financial situation and how is that probably going to impact us? So taking in lots of data that can give us a bit of an understanding of what might the future look like and then turn all of those uh, data points into something that are uh, important for you as an organization or for you as an individual or your team. I think that part of that would be, if you're looking on the near term, would be to connect and uh, connect user research with that. I think then it would be really, really powerful when you're looking at product and specific services. Um, but otherwise I would use it as a kind of strategic direction and that can influence what are we putting our efforts into um, and not getting, and, and with that said, I think it will 
can become a tool for taking better decisions and betting on the things that matters for your company or your com context and not the things that are only trendy. Okay. So, yeah, if we look at like the, the 10, maybe 15 years um, for Aston, that was mm -hmm. a um, you take those data points and the way I can view this is that you're, you're trying to find kind of key measures to maybe like sustainability is a big thing these days and over 15 years, it might be even more and companies need to kind of go in that direction. And maybe that's a, a marker in time. You know, mm. In 2040, we should be reducing whatever by 35%. Mm. Is it then the design team or the organizational organization's job to kind of look at these things and go, okay, well, how could we think about that in the future as a way to, to project what it could be? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, it depends a little bit on the capacity you have and right. how you're set up, but I think that should inform the strategic directions and what you decide to do with your products or services or the potential new products and services you should look at. So if you would, um, if you have, for example, both digital and physical touch points and you're seeing that, well, there's actually some legislation that's probably going to kick in in five years time that's going to impact uh, the price on plastic. Right then uh, that should probably start informing, okay, what are we doing today to make sure that we have another product line, for example, in the future? And that's why I would say, um, and I think that that um, forecasting can be a very powerful tool for designers to find other types of languages for talking to different parts of the organization and make them understand why something is important, especially, uh, I would say, maybe not if you're working on day-to-day -day production, but especially when you're working on long-term stuff for things that has a longer horizon. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm leading innovation in a medical product company, so yeah. I'm dealing with this a lot. Yeah. We work with Foresight like very enthusiastically within my team, but getting all the people in the company to pay attention to it and to be frankly concerned about the future yeah. 10 years out 15 years out while maybe they're more incentivized to focus on this financial year or the end of this quarter yeah. to deliver whatever they need to deliver i think it's quite difficult to get uh, people to focus on uh, the longer term bets um to more fire prevention versus only firefighting um have you found any methods or, or tricks or tools that work uh, to to get more people interested in this and like buying into it Hmm. Mm, I think for, uh, we're, we're also currently in a little bit of a tricky time because a lot of companies that were, were um, currently in not a good financial spot or have a bit of financial pressure, which would also mean that then it's all about optimization, having a better operations. So currently it's, it's extremely hard for many. But with that being said, where it works the best is if you see it as this is not a one-time off job, it's uh, the beginning of an activation. So when you've done your, your forecasting work and you turn that into something concrete that people can relate to, 
that people can feel something about, that makes them be able to carry that story with them. So when they're sitting uh, at the next uh, strategic meeting or even on a board meeting, someone is able to say, yeah, but this thing, we need to start talking about that and we need to start caring about that. And to the degree, so you can start like, but what do we do with about that already today? So sometimes it's also about taking that abstract future, making it concrete, creating a story out of it. And I think stories are normally the way that we as humans can relate to things. And then also take it back to, so what do we do about that today? Like, what do we need to start doing already? And that doesn't need to be a big investment as a start, but something small to start bringing, giving it more or continue giving it attention and continue activating it. I think that's the, the big thing. And if you manage to create those stories and you have multiple people within the company talking about it, then uh, it normally gets feet. In the same way, I would say that um, research has, and when it's successful, are able to, that people start to talk about, yeah, but our this user had this type of challenge and, mm. and we're seeing that we have this type of, one can think what they want about personas, but they can be very powerful in, in a storytelling way and reach out to people who normally don't care about design or research or future. And I think that's the key. Um. Hmm? I think uh, future thinking, um, foresight analysis, all those skills are also already independent roles, like full-blown professionals. So how do you see those skills embedded in the designers that, you know, get more and more and more to their list of skills added from, you know, starting as a, as a digital designer and UX designer, whatever that means to like product designer now, mm. that encompasses more and more. We need to talk business. We need to know a bit of coding. Now we also need to understand the future. Mm. Um, do you, do you, how do you see that? for a design role, or would it be design specialist maybe focusing more on these aspects? Mm, I see I see it as we are looking into the future. I see there there is huge opportunities for designers to grow in different directions. And I think doing forecasting as an example is one of those directions and being working more strategically is one of those directions, as well as we would need more of um, technical experts that are also designers or more um, working more with complexity as designers. So I think we will see m more varieties of designers rather than everybody needs to do and be everything. At least that's my hope. And, mm -hmm. and based on the, the involvement and 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 how the technique is changing and what we're seeing and with the entrance of, of a different type of AI tools already today, I think that there would be, there is a need for a more diverse sub-designers. Mm. So more specialities within design or disciplines within? Yeah, yeah. And then with that said, I think also that we're going to see, um, or if we if we look a few let's say let's jump 10 years into the future i would say that we need uh more uh designers that are great at taking some new context and navigate within that and design within that being said that 
Uh, with that being said, that uh, you don't necessarily have any of your normal expertise or any of your your um, you you maybe don't do any foresight, but you need to solve some sort of problem or create a new opportunity, and you don't. It's without uh, outside your normal kind of range of workings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just wondering. So, so we need to have both experts, experts. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we will have designers that are much more technical experts, but we will also have designers that are not experts, more great at taking on something that is uh, very abstract. And pushing it forwards. And pushing it forward, yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Does that exist today? I think most of these things exist today and in in bigger or smaller scale. Um, but I don't think we're seeing it that much in, um, or if you go out and apply for a design role, you're not going to find that to a very small Forecast designer. Forecast designer we don't have. There is some, there is something around like strategic insights or... Um, yeah, or fu futurist. The futurist or something like that. Design technologist. Design technologist we definitely have, right, yep. already. Um, I would assume there is already a few AI designer works yep. out there, uh, roles out there. Um, um, but I don't think we're seeing any uh, HR designer yet, as an example. Mm, that would be something. Yeah. That would solve a lot of issues. <laughs> Design procurement, yeah, <laughs> if you can face it. <laughs> that I'm looking forward to. I think that one of our podcasts, we talked about <laughs> politicians. You know, maybe those should mm -hmm. be designers. You know, actually curious about the, the problems they're trying to solve yeah. without any ego or like party mm -hmm. vision behind it. Um, is there a risk that uh, we just want to meddle with everything? Because I feel like that. Like I'm, I'm very interested to develop myself, learn new things, find out something that doesn't make any sense, and try to meddle and get involved and understand how it's working and voice my opinions, but we can't all be meddling with everything all the time, or can we? Why not? Perhaps we should. Yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely see it as we're going to design. I really hope and we should design uh, political systems as, a, as an example. I think that's an area which definitely needs change. I mean, the very, the fairly short-term... Um, old style way at least that we we have in Sweden of operating as a political system so I think there there are plenty of political systems that need to be reformed and and I definitely think that's will be on the agenda maybe not five years into the future maybe 10 plus okay I think designs that fortunate discipline that can be applied to practically any industry and I think to your question about meddling with different parts of the organization we we see that the more good design work you do the more parts of the organization want some of it mm. it kind of spreads like wildfire um at some point i think it's a good thing actually mm. um but then there's this moment of do you try to democratize design within different parts of the organization without there being a designer uh, present you know how or should that be the future 
Oh, this is that. That's an interesting question, because that, in a way, implies that designer in itself has its own value and reason for existing there. And I see it more as it's an incredible skill and capability um, that someone has. And I think that skill and capability can be taught and learned by someone else. Yeah, I think particularly when you you separate the two things, like you, so you said earlier, we've got the specialists, you know, the experts that mm. can do beautiful visual design. They can do the best renders and, you know, not everybody can do that. Not everyone has the, the creative aptitude to be able to, to achieve such a thing. Mm. Um, but teaching the soft skills around strategy and how you utilize design thinking. So actually, I don't think it's on the way out, Dennis. I think it's, it's just a process, you know, and every agency has a, a way of doing design thinking and top called it do and think, you know, but you did the other bits as well, mm. I'm sure somewhere. Uh, and we have a process here and everywhere I've worked, there's a process built upon it. But if you take whatever flavor of design thinking you, you have into an organization like in, into HR and go, here are some tools. Mm. Yeah. And you train the trainer. Yeah. Is that a good outcome for design? It's probably good for the organization, maybe, or maybe not. I'm not sure if it's good or not. What do you think? If train the trainer is good. I think that um, one shouldn't, we shouldn't mix up the, the kind of capacity to be creative. And um, I think see potential, lots of potential different directions and creating something mm. and doing a process or a way. So I think, for example, design thinking, as it has been packaged, has been in many ways kind of packaged as a process that someone can redo without design experience. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the outcome of that work is necessarily on a design quality level, right. I would say. So I think that doing something and the outcome of it can change. And I think that's what we're going to see no matter um, if you if you Google like a one week workshop of training the trainer uh, in design skills, you're still not going to get that type of outcome that designer who has been trained and worked with for a long time come up with or, or can contribute with. So in the same way as I can understand uh, how a new type of technology works or understand uh, the sustainability frameworks on a high level, it doesn't mean that I can do it or should necessarily do it, but I can understand or start to understand um, what are the, the skills I should build if I want to be able to do it more and or when should I start asking for someone else to come in and support. So I think there are, those are varieties, uh, but with that said, I definitely think that there will be like designers who are um, specialized on different things, specialized on, on looking at, in the same way as today, we have management consultants going in and looking at uh, the financial structures, or that could also be done by a designer. Mm -hmm. And I think then we will have much more of a variety like in the outcomes coming out of that, then if you're having someone who comes in to just solve a problem, 
Whereas if a designer comes in, they will start by asking, is this the right problem to solve? Um, and I think that's the most important first thing if you want to make a change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to have more deliberate roles or skills at least. It doesn't have to be titles per se, but something I was always bothered by, like what well, in the kind of UX design wave, and I think it's the same for the product design wave, is like, I don't know what these people can do. Can I do research? Some of them do, some of them don't. Yeah. Like, can they facilitate workshops? That would be great. Not everybody can. Um, and the same thing with like foresight work, future thinking, mm. whatever it is. So I, I wonder if we would move more towards those kind of dedicated roles or if it's just like, okay, now we expect product designers to also manage those parts, but we don't necessarily know if they do. Cannot be all part of the same curriculum. So having dedicated skills would be would be useful, but do you think it would also be good to have specified titles or roles so to make it more clear? I think it would depend on the, I would say it, it will depend on on what you're going into mostly. And I think, um, I think it will depend on what you're going into when, and which company you're going into or which team you're going into. Uh, but I think in, in the end, it will be up to whoever is leading that team uh, that needs to understand what are we in need of and do we have that within our team. And then if you have divided that into having specific roles that people should fulfill and that will be your answer or if you're looking into, I okay, I have these five individuals. They're not fulfilling this typical foresight designer role, uh, but they can do strategy and they can do fantastic product design and then that will be part of your your team constellation so uh, i think both ways mm. are probably going to be the the there is no either or no simple answer there mm. product designer and the forecasting team yeah yeah maybe yeah maybe that's the way yeah, I think it's, it's, um, I mean, on, on one hand, it's almost like, um, if, if you're a designer or moving, looking into what am I going to do in the future? I think that you should probably start by looking into yourself and see what am I interested in? What do I want to learn or where do I think I can grow my repertoire and, and focus on that. Because I think there will be a space then for a designer to do that. Yeah, now I can imagine the designers in my team, I can get to know them. I know what skill sets they have and how they can complement each other, which ones are the right ones for the task. But if you're recruiting, mm. how do you find the people that you need if they're all called the same thing? I don't think they're going to be all called the same thing. Okay. I don't think they're going to be all called the same thing and or you need to talk to them. Or do the first, uh, I guess, uh, start by having an AI talking to them mm. and interviewing them and understanding and looking at their previous work. And they will probably give you pretty good analysis and then conversation, human to human. I wonder if it's, it's more like you're, you know, as designers, maybe there's a new thing on the horizon, maybe it's forecasting or whatever new way of uh, applying design or looking into the future. And it's just a case there's a project that we might do and we need to learn how to do this mm. as a team and then we'll do it. We'll move on to the next thing. 
I mean, how how important is the dedicated role as opposed to the just the all round skill sets of designers? Mm. But I feel like that's that's kind of where we are now. Is at least I I think some designers are are ready to pick up the ball and just go right. I'll figure that out and yeah. we'll see how it goes and we'll do the best we can and hopefully it's a great job. Um, is that enough? Is that enough? Hmm. Oh, that's a um. That's a that's a hard question. Yeah. Or maybe a question that <laughs> that is not supposed to be answered. Maybe it should be rather. What are you in need of at that moment? Yeah. If you're in an early stage doing some experimentation, I would say, start by yourself and see. Um. I think if you're curious about it. Uh, do a few hours of reading up upon it, and then you're probably going to be able to do something and good enough to be able to inform yourself on what should the next step be. So don't go out and hire a foresight team tomorrow. Like, don't do that, but start understanding uh, by by doing, mm. by experimenting a little bit with it. That would be my recommendation. So good. There's lots of uh, materials. If you're interested in getting into foresight, there's there's books, workshops, blog posts, a lot of things to kind of uh, start kind of dipping your toes into the, the foresight waters. Yeah. yeah. Any recommendations, Dennis? Well, one important thing I just wanted to point out because I, I heard you say forecast a few times and there's a difference between forecast and foresight. So when we talk about forecast, we're actually looking back at historical data and try to stretch that line and see where it goes. So I should be saying for and with sight. With foresight, we're yeah. only looking at forward and like seeing, mm -hmm. yeah, predicting what a future could be like. And then from there, you could backcast. You say, if this is a future we want to be making real in the world, what are the steps that come before that? So those are the steps we should aim or work towards. Uh, so you mentioned uh, AI and design a few times. Mm -hmm. uh, and a topic that we wanted to discuss is, is how an AI and design future looks like or designers, both junior and also how is that maybe contrasted with more senior designers? Mm. Mm. So I think um, what I've seen so far on on people using uh, AI in different ways during the last year, um, I would say that currently it's a bit of a production support tool but even more, maybe a tool for supporting in early staging for getting more diversity on something. So you can, for example, use it and um, to get multiple ideas, so sketch out multiple scenarios. So transform uh, a hand sketch into something something digital. So I think currently it's a little bit of a support. Um, and almost like if you're a senior and have someone who's more junior beside you and or a bit more diversity on the ideas. Uh, with that said, currently it's not really replacing the uh, a lot of the fine-tuned work in the end um, because it's not maybe, it's not it's not there yet. With that said, I think moving ahead, we're going to see more of uh, design work 
are becoming more and more efficient. So, for example, you don't have to. Well, a few years ago, you had to care about even but like it's not that many years ago before people started to work in Figma, had to do like a lot of the wireframing from scratch and etc. We don't do that today. We're definitely not going to do that in future. And all of those like manual repetitive tasks are going to disappear as well as many of the uh, creati uh, creative and variety things. So that means as a senior designer, you will have to become the expert of directing and prompting. What are What do you want? What is the information or the sketch or the ideas that you want to get out of that tools that assist you? And the better your your prompt uh, or your agent, uh, the better the outcome is going to be. So you have to become good at that and you need to become good at directing on what is the outcome. So if you as a senior designer before had to direct and an, uh, junior people, you today probably will also have to direct and ask questions and make sure that it's the relevant explanation to different types of AI tools. So it's almost like an additional repertoire. But with that said, it will also make your work more efficient. I think for a junior designer, I think it will become um, a bit more challenging to entering into the market um, if you take too much of an easy way out. So a lot of things can be created and look good with AI tools and going to be even better um, in a few years, it doesn't mean that you know how to do the work. So I can go in to ChatGPT and say, um, please uh, make a business plan for, um, for this new design studio that I'm going to start in Malmö and we're going to sell to clients in Sweden and Norway and Finland. Uh, what should the business plan do? And this is how we want to expand. And this is how much we want to make, more or less. And I can have a business plan. Sort of that. With that said, if I don't know how to value the information, the design I'm getting back, then it's going to be hard to do a good job. So you still need to put in those hours of practicing and practicing and practicing before you become a good designer. And I think... If, uh, if you're a junior, you can't do too many shortcuts there because you're not going to be able to find and see what is then creativity, what uh, what is good quality. Um, and and I think then you're going to be um, not a real, not a full-fledged full designer. Damn. So I think very interesting, a lot of opportunities, but also some challenges that, that um, we need to to make sure to be aware of. Hmm. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, tools allowing us to become more efficient, automating some of the more mundane tasks. Hmm. Um, would that also allow us to kind of free up our hands to move into those other areas that we talked about before, like business or future or stuff like that, yeah, yeah, keep yeah. relevant and to, you know, make make it uh worth our salaries make it worth our salaries. yeah like if 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 generative ai or any yeah. kind of ai is doing more and more of the core task of what we think of design today mm. you know doing the wireframing the, the the visual designing the creating of the many buttons the linking of the prototypes the more of that gets automated yeah you still need to remain relevant and you know 
uh, argue for your salary. Mm, mm. So do you see that as a way of like opening up for those new aspects that could belong to the designer's portfolio or? Yeah, I see that. Um, partly that, but I also see um, AI tools as an opportunity for us to create my, more diversity in the design. So um, if we think about any type of like uh, app experience in the future, I think we're going to see more variety in it. So you can create more of a premium experience. You can adapt it more to different users. You can make it more fluid um, because the... And, and that in itself would require more of you as a designer to understand what are all these different aspects of the experience of the brand that we're trying to create and how does do we target that to the right users. So um, I think there will in itself be, be a challenge to diversify um, the design and not only do other things. Mm. Uh, and then you also mentioned specific skills, um, and I wonder, like, what skills do you foresee for the for the designer getting into AI? You mentioned like prompt engineering or like prompt writing. Do you see any other new skills that would be relevant, particularly if you want to get into this? Um, I think um, skills. Maybe maybe it's not that much of a skill, but more curiosity and being brave. I think that's uh, start using it. And if you haven't started to use it yet and start using it in different ways, um, I think also maybe being a bit more uh, techy to try to, for example, um, I mean, there, there are tools that can write prompts for you. So you get a physical uh, artifact out and you can start like experimenting with that. So I think we can also do much more as designers, uh, if we start adapting some of these tools. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any concerns around like ethics or oh, yeah. having yeah. a curiosity, <laughs> but also a healthy side of skepticism? Is the data that you get out of it correct? Is it uh, as diverse as you want it to be? Uh, is it, yeah. I mean, um, I, I think that's a super relevant question. I think it's, uh, uh, and I think it's from two aspects. I think partly if you're designing an AI and being part of that, you need to need, need to take that into consideration. But also when working with it, you should definitely also take that into consideration because it's, I mean, we were talking about uh, uh, forecasting and foresight, right? And, and um, the data is built on past data. Or the, the AI stores are, 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 and it's built on past data. And we know that a lot of the past data are built on um, specific and uh, specific, um, a lot of times specific uh, target groups. Uh, it's maybe built on uh, inequality and no diversity. So, yes, it's super important part. And I think also that's why. It's not enough to only use it. I mean, using, I think maybe using an AI tool as your support in your creative work becomes maybe even more of an um, exercise of seeing the forest for the trees, right? Mm -hmm. You really need to make sure to zoom out and see, are we, is this data correct? Is this actually a good uh, potential outcome? Is this a good idea? 
does this uh, sketch actually show what I wanted to show or is it showing something uh, that might mitigate that? Mm. So, yeah, a big, big uh, ethical compass uh, work as well. I have a question, but I don't know if I'm going to phrase it right, but I'll try. Um, so it's kind of like sounding like if all designers have access to this AI and we have prompt-based designers, are companies or yeah, are companies going to start to lose competitive edge by everybody having access to the same output from some kind of system, diluting creativity in the process? Mm. Um, I actually would have almost sent that question back to you because it sounds like you have a have a. I'm just thinking about that as, yeah. uh, as we're talking here. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of thinking back to we talked about design thinking within HR and mm. whether that's desirable to re remove the designer from the equation and say, okay, we've trained the trainer, so there you go. Are we not just doing the same thing with a prompt-based tool where mm. that's trained and we're pulling stuff out and hoping it's ticking all the boxes? Mm. Your competitor has mm. the same access to the same tool given that they give the same or better prompts. Mm. Where where's creativity lie within this world of AI? Mm, okay, so I think um, we're okay. I'm saying okay because yeah. I think I see where you're coming from, and I and I see it almost like it's not necessarily um, to a large degree. It's not a replacement of you as a designer, but it becomes your companion. So it's almost like you have an addition to your design team, which means that you. Um, I would almost say this, you maybe on the other hand becomes a bit more challenging for you on a creative manner of, of the outcome and output you're creating. Yeah. So you need to become a bit more diverse in your your output and your outcome. And then the thing you can generate or the things you, you get from whatever AI tools you're using are just part of that outcome. It's still for you as a designer in the end to make sure that it's in diverse enough for creative enough for whatever you're aiming for or suitable enough for your context. Mm. So I don't see it as, oh, it's going to like replace uh, the creative work. It's more like, yeah, here we have another team member. Fantastic. Let's use that and see what that enables us to do. Maybe the question is coming from, uh, we've been playing around with AI a bit today on uh, mm. an app called Crea mm. Mm. AI, yeah. which is really, really powerful. So you can draw these shapes, like say three squares, mm. and then you can type in a modern house. Yeah. And it will render based on those three squares, like three windows mm. where they are and render a house. And if you move one of the squares, does another render instantaneously yeah it is fascinating how yeah. that works and then you can change the prompt to a vintage car or mm. you know a helicopter whatever it is it will render it on the spot based on those shapes that you've drawn so i can see that there is vast impact on the 
creative input, you know, mm. the yeah. the inspiration you can get from from these tools. Uh, I just find that it's really interesting. Mm. Like I see that being applied to like architecture and the example mm. of a modern house. It's like I could design twenty modern houses in five minutes, you know, using this. this yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't build it necessarily, but I can render something and give that to an actual architect. Yeah. And say, can you can you make this? Can you? <laughs> It's really incredibly yeah. powerful. You know, I, I don't see the application into necessarily service design or, you know, research just yet, but um, maybe that will come. I mean, uh, we have uh, seen it um, on research so far, especially when it comes to the analysis of data. Mm. So gathering, um, doing research, um and we tried, uh, we had an approach where we did the research, did analysis, um, and came up with our, our insights. And then uh, we used the same, and then we were using Notion because the company we were working on, working with, gathered everything in Notion, so it was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, got um, the analysis and the insights were almost the same, very similar. So I think when it comes to some of that work, it can do a fantastic job. However, then it will be uh, for you to understand what is important and good for our company. And it will, so far at least, be hard for the AI to understand and know, uh, okay, so what do right stakeholder need to hear or see and how should this come? connect to something yeah i think that's what i was getting at earlier is so if you take that as an example you you have this uh, a b test essentially with human versus ai you feed in uh, i guess you're feeding in interviews or transcripts of interviews yeah and is outputting something but you've you've done a test yourself right so you you know what the reference point is you go yeah. okay well this is close enough to what i would have done yeah does that then mean the next time you wouldn't test it, you wouldn't do both. You would just say, oh, well, it worked kind of well last time, so we can save even more time by just feeding in transcripts. It's churning out stuff that's close enough, mm. but maybe we're missing things. Mm. But we're super efficient by using that process. And I think that's what I'm, I mean by diluting the creativity mm. of of humans by using AI. I mean, there's... I think that's a risk, mm. honestly, particularly with research data. I mean, yeah. You might miss the big insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? But I think, and I think that's why, why, where it also becomes a difference on the quality you can deliver. Mm. Because if you would do that, you won't get the same quality because you might be missing something, right? right. So I think it's not, you can't step away from the process yeah. and stop doing anything because then the outcome and the output mm. is not going to be good enough. It's going to be there but not good enough. Yeah. I actually think you can and people will. Mm. We might not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's the challenge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the ethics. Uh, You can definitely do that. But I think that's why it's also important that, um, and that's why I'm saying as a junior designer, for example, you need to do the work. Right. You need yourself to try, do research, do the analysis, because if you don't understand and don't train into what you're looking for, yep. then you're not going to be be able to do a good enough work. Right. You can still do a design thinking process and facilitate that, and but the output is not going to be the same. Right. 
have a few more reflections on, on that when it comes to research, because I've seen it been very helpful to check a list of questions to see like, is there any bias in these questions? And mm. Because whenever we do research, there's always going to be bias sneaked in. And the more senior you are, the hopefully the more you can snuff it out. But just running my question list or someone else's question list in this case through and like say like, where is there any, any form of bias or rephrasing that's necessary to make it more objective? It did a pretty good job there and like pointing out some interesting things to make mm. it less leading or like the phrasing different. Uh, so they can kind of go into it and then yeah, analyzing the results as much as it might miss something that you would have found out yourself. It also works the other way around. So it might find something that you mm. still would yeah. have not. Uh, and of course, also there where you analyze the results, bias sneaks in. So maybe the idea you already kind of had, you, you found between the, the lines and you will, you know, triple underline that part. Mm. Um, so seeing it as maybe a, an extra colleague or an extra set of eyes, or maybe I'm thinking more of like the, the, the creative director kind of role where the creative director doesn't do the work themselves, but they um, orchestrate a team of creatives that deliver stuff and they get feedback and you have to, it's not as simple as just putting a prompt and like, ta-da, it's done. And now every company has the same result. You have to, you get the result back. Like, mm, that's not quite what I meant. If I try AI to generate the image that I want that mm. I have in my head, mm. it's never there on the first prompt. I have to go again and again, a bit more exactly. like this, a bit more like that. Yeah. So it's a little back and forth, like a dialogue or like conversation that you would have as a creative director, maybe with your design team or your team of creative professionals to get that result that you envision. And I think that vision is the one the thing that will remain powerful, uh, even as new tools like these will become available mm. to uh, mm. everyone. Mm. Yeah, and I think also for, for the upcoming years, I mean, now we're going to have so many different tools. So it's going to be a lot of, I think, um, a lot of challenge in, in kind of also synchronizing that internally in teams and making sure that you can make use of the data that you're putting in somewhere and the work that you're doing um, jointly and share within between each other. Yeah, super interesting. Yes. So we're going to wrap up now. Yes. The final question we always okay. ask mm -hmm. is why Malmö? Malmö. Uh, I think Malmö is a little bit of like a underdog. And I mean, we're, we're a small city in a small country. Um, and not the rest of the country really care that much about Malmö. Uh, but I think that also means that we have a lot of uh, openness and we have a lot of drive and passion and people in Malmö care about Malmö. So that means that um, I think it's it's open, open arms, uh, meaning that it's easy to meet new people if you ask and if you ask for introductions from someone or let me talk I would like to talk to someone who knows something about this then I think it's it's easy accessible and if you want a fun cool parting life I maybe wouldn't choose Malmö <laughs> but if you want a good life which is easy and you have access to a lot of things and a lot of cultures and a lot of different food and logistics are easy then you should definitely choose one cool yeah thank you very much 
Yeah, thank you for, for joining us. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Follow the show to be notified about future episodes. And if you enjoyed this, please share it with anyone else you think will be interested.